Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Worship was amazing, wasn't it? So last week, Pastor Chris talked about balance, and a couple of things jumped out at me, um, one of which I'm going to talk about today, and the other was just our corporate need to slow down. Um, I confess that I have that problem from time to time and not just when I speak. Um, do any of you, uh, do you find that your impatience comes out when you're driving? What kind of driver are you? When you, when you are merging onto the interstate, what is your interpretation of the on-ramp? Do you see it as a continuation of the 45-mile-per-hour road that you just left, and therefore you feel no need to accelerate, and you just slowly and comfortably take your place on the interstate? Or are you one of those people that you see it as a ramp to get you there quickly into the flow of traffic, and so you feel compelled to do so? Are you A or are you B? Well, one of you frustrates me. I'm not going to say which one, <laughs> um, and maybe one of you is more spiritual. I don't know. The jury's still out. But um, today, my prayer is that all of us would slow down long enough to get what God has to give us. And so I just want to start by praying about that. Lord God, we do. We just stop right now. I pray that all of our morning thus far has been that, just a slowing down of focusing on you, giving you the first fruits of our week, and letting you be in charge of all of it. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Help us to get what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today, I am going to share with you the most important nugget of truth you will ever hear. Uh, I'm going to reveal to you the greatest treasure to ever be uncovered the most practical and life-changing directive to ever be received. Now, the result of taking what I tell you to heart will change everything. It won't guarantee you fame. It won't guarantee you financial wealth. And it will, will not guarantee to make all your problems go away. But the absence of those things won't compare to the addition of this truth. They will seem shallow and muddy water in comparison to this fact applied. Are you ready? Okay, Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. Is your mind blown? <laughs> well, it should be. So I think we have this problem in the American gospel that we, we tend to give the impression that you pray a prayer and then you show up at church every once in a while and you're going to be good. But Jesus is the prescription to everything that is ailing us, but he must be taken daily. Now, I, I don't want to take this um, analogy too far, but if you fail to finish the full dose, if you fail to get a refill, you will not get the results that you need. You will not receive the full benefits. Now, before you secretly um, scold me in your mind because you think I'm, I'm going to preach a message all about what we can get from God, um, I want you to know that scholars vary on the number, but I think it's safe to say there are well over 7,000 promises in the Bible from God to man. God is pretty serious about giving to us, and I think it's pretty disrespectful when we don't take what he has to offer. See, nothing frustrates me more when, than when I buy my children something, and then I go into the closet and I find it with the price tag still on. Like, that really, really frustrates me. See, I paid a price for that, and they never even used it. Now, on the flip side of the coin, the goal is relationship. 
The promises of God, the prescription, they bring us nearer to him. The more freedom we experience, the more room we have to experience him. The more joy we possess, the more praise we have to offer, the more transformation that takes place in our lives, the more we decrease and he increases. Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. Said differently, he is faithful, but we too must be faithful. See, Jesus is the answer no matter the season. He is feast and famine. He is joy and sorrow. He is the key to the door. He is our invitation to the table. He is our high when we're low. He's our hope and disappointment. He is our dream when all others have failed. He is our lighthouse when we're lost. He is our victory in a land of giants. He's our protector in this den of life. And he's our freedom in a land of injustice. Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. See, I think that our sinner's prayer should sound a little bit like this. I think it should go like, I, Jody, take you, Jesus, before these witnesses to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. I will be faithful to you alone. We are signing up for a hands-on daily relationship, for the blessing and the difficulty. See, Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. He is faithful, but we too have to be faithful. We've got to foster the difficult growth of such a relationship, and then we've got to steward the blessing of it. Now look, both will come. I think you guys know that. Most of you know that. Blessing and difficulty will come. If you are in a season of blessing right now, don't feel bad about it. Drink it in. Enjoy it. God wants you to be grateful for it, but don't forget the one that puts you there. And know that difficulty will come. If you are in a season of difficulty right now, let the tears fall. Grieve. Process. Don't run from the pain, and especially don't run from Jesus. And know that blessing will come again. As sure as the sun will rise in the morning, it will come again. The sorrow of a difficult season will do more to transform you than any other. You will be a better version of yourself on the other side if you keep applying Jesus daily. If you stay faithful, he will. That isn't the question. The question is if we will. Uh, the sons of Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a powerful song of healing. I think it's really cool. So I grew up listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman, and now my daughter's listening to his sons, which is really cool. And one of them looks just like him. So when she's watching, I'm like, that is so weird. Anyway, so he wrote a song, and I don't know if you know the story, but in 2008, um, one of the sons in this band backed up his, the SUV and hit his little sister, and she died. And you can imagine the grief that this family has gone through. Well, this is the line to one of the songs that they wrote. Sometimes life can feel so unkind, but sorrow won't define me. Sorrow just reminds my soul, my eyes are open, my heart is beating, my lungs are full, and my body's breathing. I'm moving forward, I found my freedom. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus does that. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Money doesn't do that. Fame doesn't do that. Your friends can't do that. There is an inner victory peace, joy, and freedom available that we cannot manufacture on our own. 
It is produced inside us when we apply Jesus to our everyday lives in every season for better and for worse. Look, I'm not thankful for the painful things that I've walked through, but I'm thankful for what God has done through them. I don't ever want to lose sight of the one that made that happen. I don't want to get so caught up in the difficulty that I run from God or caught up in the blessing and freedom that I forget the one that brought the blessing and the freedom. Because remember, Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. Jesus is faithful, but we must too be faithful. The Israelites had a problem with that concept. They grumbled in the difficulty and wandered in the blessing. I don't want to do that. God gave the Israelites instructions to keep them from such foolishness, but they didn't listen. They took longer than needed to get to their promised land and then struggled to live victoriously in it. I want to thrive in my promised land and mature in my difficulty, don't you? Mm -hmm. I don't want any of it to be in vain. The Israelites of the Old Testament, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, yet God took care of them. He was faithful to them. Every morning they woke up with manna on the ground to eat. They were instructed to gather only what they needed for the day. This, too, is our offer, to taste and see over and over again, day after day, right in the middle of living, even in the desert places, the dry places. It's in applying Jesus daily that we find all we need for the day. Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. You can join in at any time. <clears throat> he is faithful, but we must, too, be faithful. He is our manna every morning. Today, we're going to talk about how to gather what we need for the day, how to apply Jesus to our lives every day. My title is Building Your Life on Values That Last Faithfulness. Last week, Pastor Chris shared the importance of building our lives around Christ and committing our schedules to God. We're going to dive practically into those points today. What does it look like to gather what we need for the day every day? What does it look like for us to be faithful to him day after day after day? To find the elements needed to do this, we're going to take a jump ahead in the story of the Israelites to the son of the king that was said to be the man after God's own heart. King David longed to build a temple for the Lord, but his son Solomon would be the one to build it. When King Solomon had carried out all the plans for the temple, the Lord said this, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now, the foreshadowing here is beautiful. This story speaks not only to them in the past, but to us as well. See, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, it says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? We are the temple of God. He chooses to dwell in us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that encouraging? Well, I want to take a quick uh, side point before I dive into the prayer that will be our template. 1 Kings spends 10 chapters chronologically chronicling <laughs> um, Solomon's wisdom, you know what I'm trying to say, blessing and faithfulness to God. But unfortunately, that wasn't the end of the story for him. First Kings 11.4 tells us this, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. See, Solomon was the distant benefactor of the stubborn Israelites that journeyed through the wilderness and had this same problem. It just kept going on and on. He suffered from it. He forgot God in the blessing. Hear me. 
We cannot inherit a strong relationship with God from our parents or our grandparents. God has no grandchildren. Let's say that again. God has no grandchildren. Our pastor cannot build our relationship with God for us. There is no amount of wealth that can buy it or sustain it when we neglect it. He doesn't take credit or IOUs. He doesn't want to speak to your assistant instead of you. You have to apply him to your life daily. He wants your faithfulness today. Pastor Chris said last week that all of us have just enough time to do God's will. There is no excuse. We all have the time. God told Solomon, I'm going to read this to you in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and it will heal their land. Solomon didn't continue doing this. God was sharing with him the posture of freedom, the key to whole person prosperity, not just a, a prayer to pray one time. He was instructing him in the way to live faithfully and victoriously. See, Jesus is the answer, but he must be applied daily. He is faithful, but we too must be faithful. This verse gives us a a simple and profound map for gathering daily manna. We can do what the Israelites and Solomon failed to do. I need you to know how important this is. This, This is so essential. So essential. God will give us what we need for the day if we go to him for it. We just have to show up. He will be faithful to provide. We will, we will miss the miracle of relationship with an awesome God if we don't meet with him. Did you hear that? We will miss the miracle of relationship with an awesome God if we don't meet with him. He's holding everything we need. Everything we need. It is important for every believer to gather their manna for the day. Your life is dependent on it. Your freedom depends on it. And it never stops being important. We will never reach a place of blessing or maturity where we no longer need what he has for us that day. We all need a time when we break away from the rest of the world and we get still before God. That is how we center our lives on Jesus. That's the hub of the will that Pastor Chris talked about last week. From the hub, everything else flows. When we gather what we need from Jesus, he uses it to sustain us all day long. See, it's very biblical to give God the first part of our day. God instructed the Israelites to give the first fruits or the first yield of their crops as a way of valuing and stewarding the blessing. Now, most of us were no longer farmers like the Israelites were, but we all reap harvest every day, every morning, every week, every year, every paycheck. And those are blessings from the Lord. Matthew 6, says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Giving him the first part of our morning is a way of setting aside the whole day as holy to him. It allows us to gather what we need for just that day. It then fuels us to leave our time with him full of everything we need. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, Jesus gives us everything for life and godliness, but he must be applied daily for us to access it. 
I'm going to talk to you practically about how to meet with Jesus every day. I think sometimes we skip over that. Like, you're just supposed to know how to do it. And so I'm going to talk to you about that today. There isn't one specific prescription for a set time with God. You can call it a devotion. You can call it a prayer time, a quiet time. really doesn't matter what you call it as long as you do it. And it's not about marking something off of your list. That's very important. It's not just about, oh, I did that today. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, I will typically have a book or a study that I'm following, prayer lists that I use, templates, um, worship playlists that I've created, but those are not the focus for me. My plan every morning is to spend time with Jesus until I get what he has for me. I press in until I connect. We talk, um, we'll talk today about certain elements that I found that help in this connection. Now, I know many of you are probably sitting out there thinking, I don't have hours to spend. Well, it doesn't have to take hours, but it's probably going to take longer than 15 minutes. But remember, we all have the time that we need to follow the will of God. We all have the time. We just have to find it. We have to carve it out. There have been stages in my life with kids when no matter how early I woke up, they seemed to adjust and get up early also. And so sometimes my prayer time was them sitting on my lap watching cartoons as I tried to focus on Jesus. I have two different Bibles on my shelf that have a page ripped where I had been praying and reading and my kids got a hold of it and they ripped a page. You know what? Sometimes you have to fight for your quiet time, but fight. Just make sure you do it. It's that important. So to get started, it might look like this. Um, So you set the alarm a little earlier. The alarm goes off. You do not push snooze. Let me just tell you something. Snooze is from the devil. We don't make good decisions when we're lying in bed tired. Like, oh, I've got five more minutes. i got ten more. No, you don't. And so I've kind of conditioned myself to think this. Like, every time that I push it, when I'm, I'm getting up to spend time with Jesus, I'm robbing from Jesus. Don't rob from Jesus. Don't push the snooze. Like, act like it's not there. Just get up. And then if you need to, go get your coffee. You know, preset it the the morning before so it's already ready for you. Grab your coffee and then try to find a quiet place. Um, Like, I, I understand some seasons it's harder to find a quiet place than others. Some of you might have very full houses. That's okay. Um, you know, if you got to go to a closet, I have done that many, many seasons in my life. My clo- and my closet's not that big. And so I'm in there. Somebody opens the door, and it's like it's very uncomfortable. And the dog tries to come in. Just find the place. <laughs> find the place <laughs> and, and get there. And then once you get there, don't look at an email. Don't look at a text. Don't look at your notifications. Don't do anything else before you meet with Jesus. Now, this sounds very simple. But it gets most of us almost every time. Don't do it. Just show up. Then following Second Chronicles 7.14, the first step is thankfulness. Now, it's not said, but very much implied here. Solomon and the people of Israel, they were having a ceremony to dedicate the temple. They were taking time to thank God for the temple and devote the use of it to him. This is the starting place for connection. Thanksgiving should be the place we begin. It sets our hearts right, and it touches the heart of God. This gratitude prepares our hearts for connection. So give thanks constantly, routinely. Make lists. Remind yourself. Real connection begins and ends with gratitude. So practically, after you've positioned yourself in a quiet place, tell Jesus all the things you're thankful for. I will try to make a point of not listing something I have listed recently. 
try to be creative with it. Because again, it's not about a list. Like I'm truly positioning myself to be thankful. I'm digging deep and I'm trying to go to the heart. And um, so I try to get creative with it. Remember the goal is connection. So we're not just ticking things off of a list. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How do we present them? With thanksgiving, thank you. With thanksgiving. Most mornings, I will either pray out loud or I'll journal some things. I have journaled for years, and I felt like at the turn of the year, instead of journaling um, what I was walking through or my prayer requests, I was just supposed to journal things I was thankful for. And so I've had to get really creative because as the year has gone on. But I, I will. I'll thank God for, you know, the breath in my lungs. I'll thank him for the smile on my girls' faces, the sound of my husband's voice. I thank him for the way that my dog sits on the piano stool while the girls are playing piano. It's so cute. I thank him for the honor of being a pastor. Like, get creative with it. And I'll tell you what, every time it softens my heart. Every time it does something inside of me. And I know it does something to his heart. Then we move to the first line in our scripture. If my people who are called by my name. It's important that we make a daily effort to focus on who God is and who he created us to be. This is paramount to our success as a believer. We cannot let the world or our own limitations define these. He is who he says he is and we are who he says we are. We have to keep the deep truths of faith ever before us so that we are grounded in both. The world does not get to define God. Our friend's past experience or bitterness does not get to define God. Social media and the news sure don't get to define God. Know who God is. Read your Bible. Find out what he says about you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't go to God as victims. We are not a victim. But we also don't go to God like he's a vending machine. We are children of a good and merciful father who is also just and holy. Take your place at the table. Use your key to the door. Be confident. Practically, always take your Bible to your time with Jesus. Because a portion of what he has to say to you is going to be found there. Always take it with you. Sometimes I'll um, read part of a story, a, a study that I'm doing or a reading plan. Or sometimes I will even transcribe portions of the Bible. I'm working on Matthew. I've been working on Matthew for like two years. And because um, I just do little portions of it. I, during this time, I will not read big sections of the Bible. I save that for later when I'm studying. This time in the morning with me is about connection. It's not about getting through the word, it's about it getting through to me and what God is wanting to say to me. And so I will just read sections um, of it when I'm doing this time. And another thing that helps me is to posture yourself in a way to receive. Sometimes that's sitting on the ground instead of, I, I don't know, there's just something about a change in our physical surrounding and the way that we posture ourselves that gets our hearts ready. Sometimes it's my hands raised. Sometimes it's letting the tears, because I'm overwhelmed, letting them fall. Sometimes it's, it's bending down before the Lord, kneeling. Um, this is really unimportant information, but I just got a couple stitches on my leg a few weeks ago, and it's really close to where I bend my knee. I didn't realize how close it was, and it's not healing very well. 
it is killing me to not be able to bow down and worship. <laughs> so if that is a posture that helps you, don't take it for granted. Like, And I feel like for me, that is one of those postures that it just helps me to recognize who I'm not, who he is, and to just be in awe of it, to just take it in and to just be thankful. So sometimes you have to position yourself. Next, we are told that if the people of God will humble themselves and pray, to miss the need for humility in our lives is to be blinded by pride. We are a vain people. There's just no way of getting around that. Pride goes as far back as the fall of Lucifer. It was there in Solomon, and it's there in us. It's easier to recognize it in other people, but don't be fooled. It's in you, and it's in me. And it seems like the older that I get, the more layers I still keep finding. It's often hiding below the surface or stuffed down in the cracks of my heart. To admit this human flaw is a launch pad to connection. To deny it is a return to bondage. Without humility, our connection won't penetrate below the layer of pride in us to the heart. Be willing to put on the cloak of humility. It is quite attractive. And not just to people, it is to God. Humility always leads to repentance. Be repentant. Be willing to repent for your sins, for the sins of your fathers, for the sins of your grandfathers, the sins of your nation. To say they don't exist is prideful. Once we've started on the level ground of humility, we must pray. Talk to God. Do it daily. Look to him before any other. There, this is where you tell him everything that's on your mind. Make him your best friend. Go to him first. Make him your oasis. Make him your hiding place. Prayer is not a magic wand granting all of our requests, but it creates a connection with God and activates promises. It focuses our minds and unites our hearts with him. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Prayer focuses our thoughts on these things. If Jesus is the door to freedom, prayer is the vehicle that keeps us on the path. And the Holy Spirit is the, the guide that holds our hand. Walk it daily. So practically in my devotion time, I'll use this time to be honest about my weaknesses and my failings. I'll repent for anything that has missed the mark. Then I pray my prayers. And I'll sometimes use journals. I'll use lists. I have lists for my kids, lists for my husband, lists for the church. I have things that I told people I would pray for. And I don't use all of them or any of them every time. It's whatever the Lord puts on my heart. But if there is anything that feels like a burden in my life, that feels like it's on my mind, I will pour it out to him. Because that allows me to get to the next step we're going to talk about. But you've just got to pour it out and then leave it at his feet. The last line of that that we just talked about, Second Chronicles 7.14, it bleeds into this one. If we seek your face. Once you've prayed your prayers, give God the floor. Now, a lot of people skip this step. But listen to what he has to say. To live face-to-face -face is to know the sound of his voice. It is to desire what he desires, to hang on his every word. It's to look deeply. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
I think one of the greatest rewards of seeking God is that he always shows up. Every time. Every time. We just have to learn to have the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it. This is probably, again, the the step that people struggle with the most because it is so unique to the individual and even to the day. It's also where many people stop, and I think they miss the nugget that God wants to give them. Practically, once I've said all that's on my heart, I stop long enough to look into his face. Um, For me, that's equivalent to making eye contact with someone where I give them my full attention. I don't look away. I look intently, and I wait, um, and not thinking about what I'm going to say, but hanging on what they're saying. This is when you know you connected because he talks back. Sometimes I'll worship, and before I know it, I have done all those steps, and I'm hearing the Lord speak. Um, sometimes this step will call me to my computer because I just know God wants to say something. Um, One of the ways that God speaks to me most is through writing, and so I'll just know he is about to speak. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I think most of you know this, but we normally don't hear God speaking the way I am now. It might be through a scripture, through a worship song, or maybe a picture in your mind. Maybe it's the peace that rests on you when you're singing. Maybe it's the weight that lifts when you read the words of a scripture that you needed to hear. Um, I see lots of mental pictures. It's just one of the ways that God speaks to me. Um, For instance, uh, last week, I think it was, I was praying and just feeling very overwhelmed by life, maybe even trapped by some circumstances. And I was just telling God about it. I was pouring it out like I just told you. And and I just immediately, I got this picture of this beautiful, free little girl. She looked just like my youngest daughter. And she was running in this field, and I recognized it. It was a field that I grew up playing in when I was young, going to my grandma's house. And just, I felt like God said, I'm your freedom. I have never left. And it was just what my heart needed to hear. And the healing tears just poured out. Sometimes it's just that fast. It's just that quick. But it was everything that I needed to gather myself up and to go on with the rest of the day. And, um, and you just press in till you find out how God speaks to you best. And the final step is if we turn from our wicked ways, we cannot draw near to a holy God and hang on to our wicked ways. Acknowledge that you aren't God and that you need to change in order to be like him. Romans 12, 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are transformed every day as we spend time with Jesus. And then we walk out our worship as we take that into our daily lives. Ask God to reveal to you the ways that you've let wickedness direct your steps. Reveal the darkness in your life. Surrender your presuppositions in the way that you've always been. Surrender the way your parents did it the way that your friends are doing it. Stop pointing fingers at others and start looking at your own heart. Take responsibility for yourself and let the Holy Spirit change others. This is where repentance leads to transformation. See, we can be sorry and yet never change. This is where we allow the Holy Spirit to change us. This is where our connection should take us. This is where we take our time with Jesus outside of our quiet time. This is where we apply it, and this is where we walk out our faithfulness. And and listen, it's not because we have to earn God's love. It's because he paid a price for our transformation, and we worship him when we walk in it. 
the result is always a greater desire to be more near him, to decrease so that he can increase, to turn from anything that is standing between us. So I have this plant in the bathroom, and um, Chris and I both were like, one of us is going to use that as an illustration. I got two first. So I have this, so we have these shelves on the wall right next to a window in the bathroom, and I put these plants up there about two months ago, and so I've got this big one, and all of the shoots, um, we just noticed like a couple weeks ago, they're all pointing right at the the window, at the light. I mean, it's very obvious, very noticeable, and um, so Chris is like, well, let's, let's test it out. So he turned the plant around to see, and sure enough, last night I was just praying, and they're all turning again, and it just hit me like, that's how we should position ourselves, like always turning toward God, always being willing to change no matter what comes at us. Even in worship today, is like, Lord, I want to be that plant. Lord, I want to be that plant no matter what's happening. I want to be turned toward you. Now, God then goes on to say this to the person that has lived, not just prayed this prayer, but lived this prayer. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their their land. Look, I haven't witnessed anyone raised from the dead. I haven't seen blind eyes opened. I know people will have. And I believe both are possible. Uh, It happened in the Bible. God tells us that it can, and so I believe it. I don't know why these types of miracles don't happen all the time. That's for God to know and not for me, but I still believe. But what I have known is an unquestionable, intimate, and trustworthy relationship with my Savior. I have known the undeniable leading of the Holy Spirit. I have been the benefactor of some major and minor answered prayers. More than I could ever really count. God has done things for me that I could never adequately describe. Things that are absolutely unquestionable. And things that have forever changed me. I truly know the one in whom I believe. Some people say that the evidence of Christianity is miracles, and normally I would disagree, but maybe they're right. Because God has brought healing to me in a way that nothing in this world ever could, and that to me is miraculous. The change that God has brought about in my life is miraculous. The change that I have seen him bring about in others' lives is miraculous. The relationship I have with my Jesus is miraculous. The leading of his Holy Spirit every day is miraculous. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control that I could not muster on my own, it's very miraculous. And it all started because I showed up. I decided to meet with him, to take him at his word, to trust him, to be faithful to him. See, I'm not capable of that on my own. I had to gather it from him. We all have to gather it from him. It's there. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for us to show up. And we're going to go back into Waymaker. 
And when we do, when we declare who God is, such a powerful song. All of those things, absolutely right on, absolutely powerful. But I want you to think about it in a different way. Are you showing up to gather what he has for you every day? Because I guarantee you, he's waiting there. He's waiting when we're pushing the snooze. He's waiting when we got too busy. He's not mad. Oh, but he longs. He longs for you to meet him there. And he longs to give you everything that you need for the day. Because I think you guys all know as well as I do, we don't have what it takes on our own. We don't have the energy. We don't have the strength. We don't have the joy on our own. But if we go to him, he will give it to us. And my challenge, I say it as strongly as I can today, I challenge you to show up every day. I challenge you to show up every day and find him to be everything that you need, to find him to be the answer. Okay, you guys stand up and worship with us.